it's so amazing to see all of those little ones coming forward with parents and grandparents and praying to God. You know, that's what church is about. That's what Sabbath is about. It's about community. It's about relationship, right? And I know that throughout the week we might fight and bicker and debate and argue, but I hope that this is at least a safe place where we can put aside some of our differences and hold on to that thing that we all have in common. Sinners in need of grace. Sinners in need of a savior. And I believe Jesus is that savior. Well, today is a sermon about mothers, wives, and women in general. And I, I know that my, my mom and stepdad usually watch the, my sermons the week after. Um, there's something, something happened to their TV and they can't get the live stream on their, their smart TV anymore. Um, but my mom texted me a little bit ago and said that she's watching live. So I apologize, mom, if I make you cry right at the opening of this sermon. Um... But the sermon is entitled, I Remember. I remember growing up how often I would tell my mother that I loved her. Sadly, I also remember a few times in my teenage years where I told her that I hated her. Relationships are always up and down, and I know that hindsight is twenty-twenty. When I was young, I thought my mom wasn't decisive enough, but now I realize that she was patient. When I was young, I thought my mom was too strict on me, but now I realize that she cared and had my best interest at heart. She had rules because she didn't want to see me get hurt. It was hard for me to understand when I was young, but now I understand a bit better. When I was young, I thought my mom was too nosy, but now I realize she was simply interested and what was going on in my life. When I was young, I thought my mom had everything figured out. But now, as I'm an adult, I realize that she was doing the best she could with what she had. And that was enough. So thank you, mom. And I love you. You know, books, TV, and interviews can let us know how difficult raising children is, but moms know it on a more intimate level, right? A more experiential level. Now that I have grown and matured some, (laughs) I view things differently than I did as a child. I realize that many of the things that annoyed me about my own mother while I was young are the same things that have helped shape me into the man that I have become today. Because I'm a person of faith, my story is all wrapped up in the story of others. Stories from the Bible, stories from my family, stories from friends and acquaintances along the way. So I want to spend a few minutes today looking at biblical stories of motherhood and womanhood. I remember Rachel, Sarah, and Elizabeth. I celebrate mothers who hold their newborn babies and find it to be simultaneously the greatest gift 
and the hardest task. Rachel, the mother of Joseph and Benjamin, she died during childbirth with her second son and stated that he was the son of her mourning. Sarah, the mother of Isaac, the mother who, before she was a mother, she laughed at the prospect of becoming a mother because she was, in her own mind, too old. It was her dream to have a child, but she didn't think it was possible to obtain that dream. She was so happy to have her own son. When he finally came, joyful, exuberant, but now was faced with the difficulty of dealing with her past mistakes and not trusting God's plan all along. Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, chosen by God to bear a child in her old age. It was a beautiful gift, yet an intimidating task. Seeing as her son would take the Nazarene vow and would lead the way, be the forerunner for the Messiah. I want to also remember the hundreds of women who have never merited a name in Scripture because they were unable to bear children to pass on the family faith. Even today, many women face miscarriage, infertility, and loneliness. But it is important to lift them up and to remember them as well. They may not be able to bring new life into this world, but they can support the life that is already here. And I think that we all need spiritual mothers. It's important to let them know that their identity is not rooted in what they can't bring into the world, but what they do bring into the world. I remember the unnamed mother of Moses and Pharaoh's daughter. The mother of Moses was not named in the initial birth story, even though later on in Exodus 6, she was named Jochebed. And Pharaoh's daughter, who was not named in the story as well. Both of these women were linked, yet so separate, so different. One gave up her child in order to save him, and one took a child at risk of her own. Both of these women helped raise Moses to become the man that he became. Not a perfect man, but a man willing to be used by God. I remember all the women who have given up their children in hope of a better life for them. And I remember every woman who has created a family through adoption, who has taken in a child not her own, because bone of bones is not always the way to create a family. I remember Naomi and the unnamed wife of Job, women who lost their children too early, women who were honest with their feelings and emotions. Naomi said, call me bitter. Job's wife said, curse God and die. These women were dealing with the unbearable weight of losing a child. Yet God does not curse their honesty. Instead, he blesses them. Naomi receives a godchild in Obed. Job's wife has more children, the same number 
as those who had died, plus the added promise of seeing her deceased children once again in the new world to come. Today, I know too many women who have had to bury their children way too early. But take heart. If this is you, be honest with God about your grief, about your doubt. Grieve with the hope that this world is not the end and you will see your children again. I remember Rahab, Deborah, Joanna, Phoebe, women whose work surprisingly outweighed the need to biblically record whether or not they even had children. Were they childless by choice? By circumstance? Were the names of their children lost to a history that simply found them unimportant? Were they shamed in their lifetime for putting work ahead of family? We don't know the answers to these questions, but what we do know is that these strong women devoted their lives to God. They were used by him in a mighty way. They were spiritual mothers. They stood out in a world that was run by men. I remember Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and Tamar, the daughter of David. Dinah was taken and raped by Shechem. Dinah's brothers, Levi and Simeon, then lied and committed murder because of it. Tamar was, as the Bible says, beautiful like her brother Absalom. And her half-brother Amnon became obsessed with her to the point that he raped her. And her father did nothing about it. And soon her brother Absalom had Amnon murdered. Sadly, any Bible talk about these women is overshadowed by how they were mistreated. I know too many women whose bodies, sexualities, marriages, children should be a source of joy, but are instead corrupted by someone else's sin. Women that feel that they are damaged goods. If you feel this way, allow me to say a few words to you. Your identity is not rooted in what someone else has done to you. Your identity is rooted in Christ and how much he paid for you. There is no monetary value on you. Your price is infinite. God himself paid with his life for you. And he did it willingly. He did it willingly. That is what you are worth. You are not dirty because what some man has done to you, you are clean because of what Christ did for you. Amen. You are not broken because of some man's perversion. You are made whole because of God's love. I remember Hagar and Tamar, the wife of Er. I remember that Hagar was sent into the wilderness to die with her son Ishmael at her side. I remember Tamar, who was widowed, cheated by her brother-in-law, and eventually had to disguise herself as a prostitute to continue the family line. These were two women whose only hope for protection and care lay in having a child with a man who they weren't even married to. 
I know too many women raising their children alone. Fathers, nowhere to be seen. Whether they are circumstances of death, divorce, or something else, there's an astounding strength that comes from a single mother who will do whatever it takes to raise her kids right. Single mothers, I respect you. And I know I'm not the only one. I remember the Syrophoenician woman, the woman of faith who was alone, unsupported, yet persistent beyond comprehension on behalf of her possessed and suffering child. I know too many women whose cries for help were mocked or disregarded, whose insistence on justice and equality meant others pursed their lips and stuck up their noses. I know women who would sacrifice anything, anything to save their child. Women who will never give up until they find the peace they are searching for, for their child. I remember the woman at the well. She was silenced and shunned because of divorce, used and abused by women and then cast aside like a used gum wrapper. But then she met Jesus. Many of us know the wretched freedom found in divorce and the messiness of new life with a broken heart. But then we too can meet Jesus and trust that he has a future for us. I remember Hannah, the wife of Elkanah, a woman who had to share her husband with another wife. Hannah was barren. And her heart was so wounded by the abuse of her husband's other wife, who, by the way, was not barren, that she wept at the altar of God until she couldn't even speak. Even Eli, the holy priest, assumed that she must have been drunk to be praying so hard. I know too many women whose heartbreak has been turned into a weapon against them. I know too many women who are labeled as drunk, hysterical, or crazy because they are willing to show their emotions and pour their hearts out to God. But God heard Hannah's cries. Instead of ridiculing her, he granted her request. She soon gave birth to one of the most infamous prophets in all of scripture, Samuel. I remember Rebecca, her twin sons, Esau and Jacob, already at war within her belly. And then she chose a favorite son, as did her husband. I know too many children who bear the scars of parents who maybe did what they thought was right, did the best that they could, yet they scarred their children's hearts for life. But mothers, take hope. You may do the best you can. You may do all the right things, yet it may never be enough in this world that is so overtaken by sin. You may think it is your fault that your child won't talk to you. You may think that it is your fault that your child no longer attends church. You may think that it is your fault that your child's life is a mess. And maybe it is, or maybe it isn't. But take heart from this story 
of Rebecca and her two sons. Two brothers at war with each other because of the poor decisions of their parents, but not so far gone that God couldn't change their hearts. Mothers, do your best. Love your children and bring them to God. He can do the rest. And he can heal any wounds, any scars that pop up along the way. I remember Mary Magdalene. She was the first evangelist of the resurrection. Yet her name has been soiled by centuries of slander that turned her from wide-eyed witness to reformed prostitute. It's sad that simply because a non-married woman is described as being wealthy in the Bible that we instantly jump to the conclusion that, well, she must have been a prostitute. Contrary to erroneous beliefs and traditions, Mary Magdalene was not the woman caught in adultery. And I've got $20 for anybody here that can prove to me from the Bible that she was. And Mary Magdalene's testimony of the resurrection She gave birth to the church. I know too many women whose gender, dress, skin color, career calling, history, and bravery have been used against them and against the gospel they proclaim. I've heard all the excuses, yet you women keep proving them wrong. Ellen White was not healthy enough. Rosa Parks was not white enough. Joan of Arc was not old enough. Rachel Held Evans was not educated enough. Margaret Thatcher was not man enough. Katherine Johnson was not intelligent enough. Amelia Earhart was not trained enough. And I could go on and on and on. When I remember Mary Magdalene, I remember women who broke molds and proved people wrong. I remember each woman who has found an inner courage to face impossibility. I remember the Virgin Mary, that teenage girl who grasped her stomach in amazement, answering the bombshell of a miracle and the sureness of societal judgment with a simple and determined yes. Yes, Lord, I'll do it. She didn't care what others think. She didn't care what her fiance might think. She didn't care about anything except being used by God. And finally, I remember Eve, the mother of us all. Her name, which in Hebrew means the source of life. Save Adam and Eve, every single person who has ever lived has one thing in common, a mother, right? A mother. Your mother may have been present or absent in your life. Your mother may have loved you or despised you. Your mother may have died old or died young. Your mother may have been a sinner or a saint, but she was still your mother. She gave you life. Tomorrow is not simply a day to celebrate mothers. It is a day to celebrate life. It is a day to celebrate a gift. Your life is a gift. Every breath you take is a gift. Before anything else could be said about you, it could be said that you were given a gift. 
That first breath that you took as a newborn baby, it was a gift. Every breath that you have taken since then has been a gift, and every breath that you will take in the future of your life will be a gift. So tomorrow, let's not just celebrate mothers, but also celebrate what God has given us. Celebrate the God who gave us mothers. Celebrate the God who created women with the power to give life. Celebrate the God who created women with the power to support life. So whether you are a mother, a daughter, a sister, a wife, a grandmother, a cousin, an aunt, a godmother, or you like to simply call yourself a woman, we celebrate you and we thank our God who gave you to us. Let's pray. Our loving, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for women, the other aspect of your character. Sometimes we men get so caught up looking at ourselves and taking control that we start to look at you as a God who forces himself upon others, who takes control, who wants to make sure everything is done just right, and we forget that you are also loving and forgiving and kind and long-suffering. You were like a mother hen calling her chicks home, protecting them. So Lord, thank you that we can see these aspects of your character through mothers, sisters, daughters, wives, grandmothers, cousins, Enhance. Lord, tomorrow as we celebrate women and mothers, may we also give you thanks for creating them. Lord, we love you and we want to grow closer to you. We know that you are already seeking after us. May we find what we are searching for in you. We ask it all in Jesus' name.